why does that person over there who's like 20 years my senior not progressing in their career, but I am? And I started to recognize, okay, maybe, maybe I am different. And then as the money started coming in, I'm like, okay, I thought 200,000 a year, 300,000 a year was a big number. Yeah. And then it became, no, like, that's not enough. Right. I demand more. Right. And it is, I know it sounds like an ego thing, but it's not. It, it's like, it, it's constantly testing your limits of what you're capable of. Well, especially in the business that we're in, right? Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Don't forget to mute your mic. I'm getting a little bit of static. I have no snare in my headphones. Cheap-ass headphones. You didn't catch the reference. I did not catch the reference. Wait, I don't hear anyone. We're live. You hear us? Odin? Okay. Do you hear us now? Yeah. Okay, because you made a lot of fat jokes that were inappropriate while you weren't <laughs> listening. I just want to be clear. And I, I do not, I do not, okay, appreciate that. That's not true. On his behalf, and as a larger man. Non-villain? Villain. villain. <laughs> yeah, that's so not true. I'm just going to delete that? Or should we just... No, no, we're going, baby. We're going. You delete okay. nothing. <laughs> this is there for posterity at this no, point. No, man. Delete start over. No, no. We're not starting no, over. No, bro. We're not we're doing not this. Starting over. We, can, we can cut it anytime we want. We start the show where we want. Oh, okay. Because right. <laughs> you know you're in control of that shit. That's why. <laughs> Bing bong. <laughs> <laughs> Bing bong. <laughs> All right. You have now tuned in to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. I don't care who else says anything else that that's what it is that's what it is welcome back to the show those are facts facts and uh we're gonna start the show off with a somber note and uh we'll talk about the recent passing of the one and only the billionaire sam zell mr. great man mr sam zell to you sir. mr sam zell to me sir mm-hmm. um may he rest in peace we're gonna jump into retail sales they rose 0.4 percent in april and this was indicative of a lot of bad things that are to come at least that is our thought Mm-hmm. On the matter, Home Depot just forecasts weak consumer demand and almost 90 million Americans, adults, Americans, <laughs> struggle to make ends meet, according to the census. Not a laughing matter. Yeah, not a laughing matter. So let's jump right into it. Sam Zell, we've talked about him on the show multiple times, and he is a real estate billionaire. Mm-hmm. Passed away at the young age of 81. And I don't mean that facetiously. I mean that in dead ass honesty it, you know really? may we all be so lucky to, to live that long but, absolutely i know but I think uh, the average life expectancy is what 79 I mean, so yeah you, i mean so it, he surpassed that but still from the recent interviews it seemed like he still had a lot to give he had a lot of zeal sat vocabulary you can look that up kids yeah yeah so i took a little trip down memory lane a little earlier earlier today and i do this anytime someone passes away because it, it's one thing to to think you know somebody's bio when they're like a celebrity. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing to read about it in the context of like a Wikipedia page, which is what we pulled up here. Right. So I didn't know this when I was until I read the Wikipedia page, but he started off going to college, right? He came from, I think, Polish parents and they changed their name. They were Jewish immigrants and, you know, it, he didn't come from money. Right. He comes over here, he gets into a good school. I think it was University of Michigan. He graduates with a law degree ultimately as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. But at the time, he and a partner had started a property management for a commercial real estate company. No kidding. Yeah. They were making, back then, $150,000 a year. Wow. So his fraternity brother, who was his partner, Robert H. Lurie, I think was the guy's name, Mm -hmm. right? He he went to go be an attorney when he graduated, sold the company to to Robert Lurie, went to be an attorney. For one week, he lasted. And he's like, 
fuck this. <laughs> yeah, this isn't any fun. <laughs> this isn't it. Which honestly is a lot of a lot of how my life went. So right. I mean, there's a lot of similarities I think in his background to what I aspired to be one day. Right. And I know we made fun of his voice in the show because he did sound like Kermit the Frog. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I mean, we make, we make fun of each other. It's all out of love and respect. No, I don't love you. No, I you, respect him. Come on. Yeah, I'm just being honest. Uh, I, okay, I do love you. But okay. What you about know, me? Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. Villain, non-villain. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Yeah. Actually, I'm I'm worried about you, Rune. I am. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. I'm be, I'm be honest. I'm worried about him. He saw my ankles and got scared. I I did. No, I mean your ankles have always kind of been a little weird. But what about him? I want you to work out more, man. Mm. I'm gonna tell you a story. This is gonna hit close to home. Okay, this is, I'll just tell you, tell you straight up. My mom is. Uh, she had lap band surgery at one point in time. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And after like several years. It started to cause some problems for her digestion. Didn't work really well for her. It caused her a lot more physical problems than it was worth, so she had it taken out. Right. Which apparently is a real common thing. She's gained a lot of weight in the recent weeks and months because her health has deteriorated a little bit, and she's now gonna. She's now got this ninety day kind of period to lose fifteen pounds and to get all these things done, so she she can actually go in and have a surgery. Where they literally cut off half her stomach. Whoa. Because I think she's gotten to the point where she feels like her weight is and i was having this conversation with my mom earlier today it's a difficult conversation I can only she imagine. feels like her weight is causing so many physiological problems for her really and it's hard to to, to, to deny that you know mm -hmm. so wait tell me the process they're what do you mean they're cutting off half their half her stuff so i mean i'm not I'm not an, a surgeon i'm not an expert on this surgery but apparently what they do is they literally take your stomach think of it as like a bag and they cut it in half so mm -hmm. you can physically hold less food in your stomach so you get the sensation of being fuller oh on because you don't have as much space in your stomach yeah and does, does this type of surgery only need to get approved if like you reach a certain way like you know what i mean i i don't know but i'll tell you that um from a mom at her age you know in her 60s to yeah. be doing this it's 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 pretty crazy yeah man. so that, that's that's a big change well i hope she's okay man yeah no i, I do too but my, my point with the rune is and my mom will be fine we'll get her there and you know yeah. family will rally and support her and everything else and mm -hmm. she'll get there but the room, bro, you're too young, man. You're too young. And my mom let her weight gradually increase over time. She used to be into like cycling and doing stuff. And I don't want to see you do this to yourself because you got two young kids, bro. It's true. Odun? I got till June 1st. You got till June 1st to what? <laughs> until, until the party ends? <laughs> no, until uh, Chris starts ripping me a new one. I, I did say that I was going to rip you a new one, but out of love. I know. In a sexy way. Mm -hmm. So for what it's worth. You know, just need to find consistency. That's my problem. Consistency, brother. That's all you need to do. That's, that's it. Just stream one, one, one day at a time. One day at a time. All right. So Sam Zell. Mm. So uh, Arun pulled up some facts from a Forbes article. Sam Zell was the forefather of modern real estate investment trust or the real estate investment trust. He died in uh, today I did not at the know age of 81. That. Wow. Yeah. So what he did is after law school, he realized that he didn't want to be a lawyer. Like, yeah. After that one week. Right. And he went back into the real estate business and started buying real estate and then ultimately leveraged real estate investment trust mm -hmm. to build, I think it was over a $7 billion fortune. Well, let's explain to the people what a real estate investment trust is. Arun, scroll up a little bit. I can't see that over the cameras there. Up. No, no. no that, that's there you go. The text. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. While studying at the University of Michigan, uh, Zell managed a 15-unit apart student apartment building in exchange for free room and re uh, free rent. Um, his enterprise was netting about $150,000 by graduation. Wow. He launched Equity Group Investments in 1968 and then expanded his real estate empire nationwide over the following decades. His $39 billion sale of real estate investment trust equity office, the Blackstone just before the market crashed in 2007, was among the largest real estate deals ever. Talk about perfect timing. Yep. Around the same time, he led an $8.2 billion buyout of the newspaper Tribune Company, uh, which soon went bankrupt. So. A real estate investment trust is basically a pool of investors getting together to buy real estate. It can, they can pass along the same benefits of depreciation and amortization, but a real estate investment trust has significant tax benefits, way less tax consequences because of the structure of the trust right. than you would normally have in any other holding structure. In a vehicle that people uh, could use should they not have you know enough liquidity to go out and maybe invest in real like one piece of real estate on their own yeah so think of if grant cardone was legitimate and actually spent decades doing what he proclaims to hold himself out to doing mm -hmm. he would actually be sam's out mm. and that's why i look at someone like a grant cardone structure and i say okay he's you know these syndications but he's not about a real estate investment trust and truly 
if you were doing a syndication right, you would get to the size and scale where a real estate investment trust would probably be the best vehicle as a fiduciary for your owners. Right. Because they get the added tax benefit of not paying as much in taxes. So Arun pulled this up. That $150,000 in 1966 is equivalent in purchasing power to about $1.4 million today. Yeah. Oh, he was balling. <laughs> Are you kidding? Can you imagine That's making $1.4 million a year? Back then? then? At 22. At 22. Yeah. And then going to work as a lawyer for a week and going, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, this is a complete waste of time. Why, why am I doing this? Yeah. Wait, I made a nickel today? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. And starting that property uh, management company, that's something that a lot of real estate investors get into later on once they start to develop a portfolio. You want to hear a little fun fact? Yeah. A little, uh, little part about my life that you didn't know about? I would love to. So back in 2007, shortly before we started the bank. Okay. Right? Or before I met everybody and then we ultimately started the bank. Mm-hmm. My plan was to start a property management company yep. and eventually build a REIT, completely unaware of that being Sam Zell's life. No kidding. So this all hits home. I mean, it really hits home for me in that this man did a lot of the things that I thought I wanted to do after being in real estate for a long enough time to understand kind of the macro picture better. Mm-hmm. Like this, this, this is the vehicle for wealth in my mind. It's not investing in other people's projects. It's building a platform, creating your own projects, and bring other people's success as a result of it. Right. Um, so for, for me, this, this was kind of the model and, and the aspiration at one point in time before I found banking. And I love banking. I love what I do. Uh, but I mean, for people that are really in- interested in getting into real estate, starting off at like a property management company is not a bad idea. So I get this, I got this question a couple of times this week. I get it a lot, but this week I got it more than most. You know, hey, Chris. Um, I want to get in the real estate. Where do I start? And I, you know, we've covered it so much on the show that I don't think to keep reiterating it. Yeah. Well, we get get a real estate license. Well, we've been getting a lot of new new listeners. So shout yeah. out to y'all. Get a real estate license. A lot of people are like, well, Chris, I don't ever plan on on you know selling other people's homes. No. Good. Don't. Yeah. Just use sell, it. buy your home with it. Right. You know, if you have a broker that you have to pay, you have to pay your broker a small commission, but you'll get some money back on buying your home. That two and a half percent commission you would pay to the selling agent and the buying agent. Mm-hmm. Well, you would be. The selling agent, right? Or the right. buying agent, depending on how you look at it. Right. And you would be able to take that 2.5% commission and use it for you. Right. Towards rehabbing the property. Or as towards your down payment. Right. So if I, as a real estate agent, want to go buy a property and I go look at it, this is amazing. They're offering commissions 5%. It's split in half. 25 for you, 25 for me. So the mm-hmm. listing agent who listed the property gets 2.5%. And the selling agent, me, gets 2.5% for selling it. I just happen to be selling it to myself. I can take that 2.5%. And apply it towards the down payment at closing. Yes. And that's totally legal. Except most people don't want to invest the time and energy to go get a real estate license. And in the process of getting a real estate license, what do you get? You learn about real estate finance, real estate appraisal, real estate principles. Mm -hmm. And you learn about how this business works. Absolutely. Right. So the fact that so many people skip over this and they're like, I'm going to trust this realtor that I found or that's a family friend. I, I don't. I don't understand. Now, some of the stuff that you'll you'll be learning is not how the real world actually works when it comes to. It's more of how it's supposed to work, and yes. you learn how the real world works when you get into the business. But right. again, these are not bad things to pick up. No, absolutely not. And, and it's something that you know that is going to come in hand. Look down the road, you you want to be that person that has that license in case a family or a friend you know needs some help, and then you're going to be that referral. In Southern California, a million dollar home is not uncommon. It's not. Right. So if someone says, hey, man, I wish I knew a realtor. And you're like, you raise your hand and go, I'm, I'm a realtor. I can do that. Mm-hmm. And you sell a million dollar home at two and a half percent. Right. I mean, damn, you just picked up some good money just because you took the time to get a license and keep it active. Right. And it's not that hard to keep active. It's, it's like renewing. It's I think it's like I have to go back and look at it. I think it's like every four years you take some continuing education, which is effectively online courses. It's not difficult. Okay. And here's the best part. You hang your license in the state of California. Different states work different ways. You hang your license under a broker for two years. Yeah. You can go, go become a broker once you pass a broker's exam. Right. It used to not be that way. It used to not have to wait two years. That recently changed. No, yeah. A couple, changed a couple, couple years, years ago. ago yeah. yeah. But I have tons of agents underneath my license currently that, well, not tons. I have a couple. Yeah. And they're just waiting for their broker's exam. Right. It's great. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't begrudge you anything. If that's, if that's the path you want to take, that's the path you want to take. Right. So if you want to learn about real estate, that's the way you go. And you go, well, Chris, I want to learn about commercial real estate. No. Okay. Don't be that guy or girl. Learn about commercial real estate after you get the basics of single family real estate and build your career on layers of knowledge based off knowing more and more complexities over time. 
Right. Don't aspire to go right into something. Right. And one way to gain business right away is something that we've learned even even through the podcast is start off trying to get as much experience as possible. If that means doing some work for free, do it for free because you're actually gaining a lot of experience and knowledge in the process. I have done more work for free than anybody I know. And I got to tell you, I don't regret a single thing that I've done for free. Right. Not a single one. Yeah, especially if it's like your side hustle, right? You're still getting, I, ideally what's happening is you're working for your, your nine to five during the day and you're learning the stuff on the side, right? Yeah, so again, and again, I know we're a little off the article schedule today, but this is one of the things about people that, granted, I recognize that I'm different. Mm-hmm. I'm a little different with my capacity for work. That's fine. In more ways than one. It, it, whatever. But, and I recognize that. That's fine. But I don't understand people who go home and don't want to learn something new. Mm. Like, I don't care. Like, spend time with your family. Do your thing with your kids. Watch television. You can do all those things. But we should all be learning something new. Yeah. Always. Like, it, it shouldn't be like, I'm, I'm a... I'm a doctor or I'm a lawyer and I go home and oh God, I just want to decompress and I don't want any, I, I just want to just nothing. Right. Every once in a while, fine. Like I get that. Yeah. But if you feel like that all the time, your primary gig is not right for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you should, you should still want to have that passion to learn and grow over time. Right. And I look at someone like, like Sam Zell, right? He started off as a property manager and grew into real estate investment trusts. Mm-hmm. and a multi-billion dollar fortune and every step of that took learning more and more and more about accounting, about trusts, about syndications, about publicly traded companies of which he was on the board of several. Right. I mean, this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time too. And, you know, having that curiosity of learning about a new topic, I think is, is the key to staying young. Right. And uh, you walked right into this trap. You're going to regret this. No, no, no. You're going to regret this. No, no, I'm not. But I want to ask you, have you always been that way? No. So what caused it? What triggered it? Um, we're going to get back to this topic when I pressure you about not getting your real estate license yet. Yeah, oh, I know, man. I was halfway through. Yeah. And then you just nothing. And then the show started. Don't put this on me, it's Bricky all, this, Bobby. This is on you. Don't you put that on juju on me. <laughs> this is all you. No. <laughs> um. I will say you've learned a lot here. So, I mean, I, I've been witness to it. The, the man you are today is impressive. Thank you. Just not in stature. Pound in, it. In knowledge. I'm not pounding it. I'm, oh. I'm not. Okay, I'm rubbing it. <laughs> um, uh, I think um, I came from a Middle Eastern family, dude. Like, so my, well, my dad, I, the first part of my life, my dad was working all the time. That stereotype is real, bro. That is, it's, well, my father was that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like he had to be a doctor, a lawyer, and he was very like aggressive. And I didn't have a passion. I wasn't very good in school. I didn't have a passion for school. And this is going to sound so just fucking terrible. And I Why? apologize in advance. Why? When I was a kid, I would lie about who I was and the things I did. And by kid, I mean even in my 20s. Mm. Because I wanted so much more from my life than I'd accomplished. And I knew it was almost my way of like manifesting it, right? Like I knew. Like speak it into existence? Like I, if I spoke it into existence, if I, if I truly believed that that was possible and that's who I was, that was who I was going to be. Yeah. And, and I wasn't that cognitive. I mean, it was certainly more of a defense mechanism in some way. Yeah. But I mean, I, I went through some pretty dark times financially and my credit score was terrible. I had somebody fraud and all the stuff that happened and, and I had to rebuild my credit score. And then, um, you know, you just get down and down and down on yourself. And then I started to really excel in like the corporate world. Okay. And I was like, okay, why does that person over there who's like 20 years my senior, why is he or she or they not progressing in their career, but I am? Mm -hmm. And I started to recognize, okay, maybe, maybe I am different, right? Like maybe I'm just capable of more. And then... As the money started coming in, I'm like, okay, like I thought 200,000 a year, 300,000 a year was a big number. Yeah. And then it became, no, that's not enough. Right. I demand more. Right. And I know it sounds like an ego thing, but it's not. It's like, it's constantly testing your limits of what you're capable of. Especially in the business that we're in, right? You see that some of these real estate investors not only have nine to fives, but if they, their nine to five is making them a certain amount of money, but 
truly what's bringing it all in is their passive income on the side. And you're like, wait, there's there's a game that these guys are playing that, you know, I need to learn. So that was the reason why I originally got into underwriting, so I could understand how people got wealthy, right? Right. But let let let's let's take this outside of, of most people's comfort zone. Okay. If you're Jamie Diamond, and Arun, you can probably find his salary real quick. And you're making his kind of money. Yeah, close to $30 million a year. $30 million a year. You could probably not invest because you're fully, you're taken care of for life with your salary. Yeah. $1.5 million base salary, $33 million all, $33 million all in. My Siri watch is talking to me. Uh, $33 million all in according to regulatory filing. Mm. If you're making $33 million a year, I get it. You don't need to invest. I mean, he's probably taking home like 15 12, 15 years. You may not need to invest, but I mean, if you're not, shame on you. Yeah, no, he's probably got his money in securities and things like that, and he's buying properties that, you know, he wants to live in. Mm-hmm. But for most of us, your wealth is not going to come from your salary. Mm-hmm. Your wealth is going to come from the investment decisions that you make outside of work. And if you're not looking to improve yourself and be a business person from 5 p.m. to 9 a.m., mm-hmm. you are missing out on the number one way most people make money in this country. Wow, yeah. And so I think most, say- people, most people get so burnt out from their job, by the time 5 p.m. hits, they don't even want to think about investing or work or taxes. And I'm the other way. Mm-hmm. As soon as the job's over like, and I'm, I'm out, I want to think about how am I growing the, the real estate empire? How is the, the property management business mm-hmm. going? Where can I eke out more money to try to grow and build my personal franchise. So I have a lot, I have a, a lot of friends that I've had this conversation with, and I want to hear what you would say to them. The idea of getting into investing for some people, it's such, it, the amount is so high. Why? They, they, they feel like there's so much that they don't know. Right what out the gate, you, what, Yeah. Okay, but yeah, that's because you, you're in, you got into it, right? What would you say to the person that feels that way? How would you get started? Aside from listening to the Higher Standard Podcast. I mean, it's better than this. Great start. It does not exist, my friend. I know. This is the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. And if you haven't left us an honest five-star review, now would be your time. Right now. Right now. Mm -hmm. Write that down. Tell Siri to remind you in a couple hours. I mean, on Apple, let's see, we got uh, another plus one on a five-star review, which is... (laughs) Reoccurring thom- but comic based, theme. But based on our downloads, that's not an accurate reflection. There's still a lot of people no, that... that's a small, tiny minority of listeners. And you know what? I get it. You guys are busy out there investing. Some of you guys <laughs> are driving when you guys are listening to the podcast. I get it. You can't stop. But remind yourself. You know, side and I, hairy guys need love too. Yeah. You're being the hairy guy. I mean, obviously. When Harry met not Sally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In any event... I think the ideology of investing is so overwhelming for most people mm. that they're like, my my investing won't make a difference. I think it's something else. What is I, it? I think they're just getting started. They're afraid of making a mistake. So what? Well, I have made more mistakes than most people. Dude, I have fucked up more times in my life and in my, my career mm-hmm. than I can possibly count. I agree. I mean, it's... Thank you for agreeing for that. Thank you. Yeah, you made a mistake that. by bringing me on the show. Yeah, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck was I thinking? Yeah. No, I have, but the, the, so I've always, I've always been a firm believer that adversity builds character mm-hmm. and failure is the backbone of adversity in some cases, mm-hmm. right? So if you're failing, that's an opportunity for you to learn and grow. I know that may sound cliche, but it's a hundred percent dead ass accurate. Well, look, I'll use, I'll use this show as an example, right? Yes. We spent all this money on expensive ass cameras. Yeah. We, we don't got to get into these numbers. And we failed. Every single time we recorded for the last several months because we couldn't get the picture right. I hope this is the episode where shit comes out crystal clear. Please, God. And we look sexy in 3D. I can't get text messages from Chris at 3 a.m. anymore. Waking up from his sleep, I'm still frustrated. I'm frustrated. <laughs> I was frustrated as shit, man. And hopefully with the settings right. But that failure and not giving up has led us to a place where I think we know more about cameras than we knew six months ago. Or ever thought that we would have to know. Ever have to know. F-stops, lighting. Aperture? At what? What is it? 1080p, I know of. There's a 1080i? What's the light color? Here's that 4100, yeah. I think is What's all? going on? Yeah, it it's weird, bro. Yeah. And like sound deadening and audio. I mean, mm-hmm. but you learn these things because you fail. You put out something shitty and you're like, I'm going to improve. I'm going to improve. I'm going to improve. Your first investment might not be a winner. Right. Your second investment might not be a winner. But at some point in time, you've got to believe in yourself enough to put out something. Right. And truly, the alt, and I know it's going to sound cliche as shit too, 
The real failure is not trying. That um, is the only true failure. Right. Exactly. Like if I, I try to think about it, if if Adam or Arya come to me one day and have this discussion with me, and I hope that, you know, they're open enough and comfortable enough to have this discussion, I'd say my response to them would be, so what are you going to do? Just not play the game? You're just going to sit out and let everybody else play the game? I mean, you can't dream of winning the lottery unless you got to play. Every once in a while, I get these guy conspiracy theorists, people like in my DMs. Mm -hmm. Yo, Chris, like, you know, the, the game is stacked against us. And how much are you paying taxes? And I'm like, over 50%. They're like, that's okay. Over half your money, bro. And I'm like, look, you can complain about the way the game is. Yeah, yeah. Or you can learn to play by the rules and accept it for what it is. Right. I have chosen to accept these are the rules of the game. I'm playing the game the way it's meant to be played. Right. And I'm going to win. The problem is a lot of people don't know that the rule book is much bigger than they realize. And there's certain rules that you have to go out and search for to learn. It's no, not, there's levels. There's levels to there's this. Le exactly. When you get some levels, the training wheels come off. You can do what you want. Right. We, and we've, we've touched on it on the show before. I mean, the tax code is not written for people not making a lot of money. If you're making W-2 wages right now and somebody is writing you a check every single month, mm -hmm. the tax code was not written for you. Nope. It wasn't. I'm sorry. The tax code, honestly, and this is true, this is the God's honest truth, was written for people with passive income. Yep. People who hold stock, people who hold real estate. Mm -hmm. Now, there's all sorts of, of a dichotomy of, of opinions on which one's better. I'm always going to be a real estate guy. Fact of the matter is, the wealthy in this country have written the tax laws for them. Right. And that is not going to change. And the people in Congress all know it, too. Most of them are wealthy. Yes. They play self fulfilling by those, prophecy. They play those rules. Yeah. By those rules. <clears throat> Nancy Pelosi. I mean, one of many. All right. Shall we get into retail sales? Let's get into it. Retail sales rose 0.4% in April, Month less over. than expected as consumers struggle with inflation. Yep. The 0.4% increase was actually month over month, year over year, uh, increased by 1.6%. So they actually, the expectation was for it to actually increase 0.8%. So four of the last five months before this, we had negative readings. Uh -huh. This was actually um, a positive reading. And this is going along with the trend that the Fed has been saying, that services inflation is still going up. So, okay, goods are coming down, but this goes right into the hand of ser services inflation going up. So this article from CNBC is kind of the rhetoric that we've been seeing all over the media as of late, where... They're saying, where is the consumer discretionary spending? Mm -hmm. When is it going to fall off? And why is this happening? And nobody really has an answer. And I've got a really simple answer for everybody out there. Okay? okay. The recession hasn't impacted the consumer yet. And I know that sounds like, how, how could that be? Mm -hmm. You will see it. You will see it palpably in July. I think that, that's it. Yeah. I think, well, that's when it's going to be a sudden change for them, right? I feel like it has impacted the consumer, but they're, they're not willing to accept it just yet. Hence why. Credit cards are at all time. I think we reported seventeen trillion in the last episode. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are still spending, right? And I know those credit card payments are going up month, you know, every month because with the Fed funds rate, every time that goes up, credit card payments are going to go up too. So much so that according to a Bloomberg Business article, almost ninety million American adults struggle to make ends meet. Mm. Census says. More Americans struggle to meet expenses now that in the immediate aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic, when millions lost their means of employment, a Census Bureau survey showed about 38.5% of American adults, or 89.1 million people, face difficulty in paying for usual home expenses between April 26th and May 8th, according to the latest Household Pulse survey, which was a mm. weird name for survey. That's up from 34.4% a year ago and 26.7% during the same period in 2021. Mm. That's a big problem, kids. Big problem. And man. this is not the first quote like this. We also read one a while back that most American households, I want to say it was one in five, couldn't afford a $1,000 expense. I think it was 400. One in 400? It was, no, it was $400 expense. No, there was two. There was one four hundred dollar one. There's a oh, I think there was another obviously one. less people can afford the thousand dollar one. But yeah. 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 There's lots of these different surveys that come out trying to quantify right. how much the the American consumer does not have in reserve. But right. that that seventeen trillion dollar total credit card debt is scary. Yeah, absolutely. I know that 
consumer sentiment is down too. The University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Report came out, and that was yeah. that was, you know, all time low. People are projecting a recession there within the next within the next year. That's starting to go up, and even more so three years from now. So he, here's the part that that drives me like to a very confused place. Okay, the general consensus by consumers and the market savvy investors is. There will be a recession. No more softies. No more, eh, maybe we'll land and it'll be okay. Everyone's yeah. like, fuck, it's going to be a recession. Recession's coming. Right? It's here. Right. And if you're, if you're so close to it that you feel like it's coming either way. Yeah. Why isn't consumer spent? Why are we so like, this okay, is, I, I it's think not going to impact me. I think I know. Because typically what happens, right, is expectations are driven, drive, they drive inflation. So if the consumer believes inflation is around the corner, that drives inflation even higher, right? Because then you're starting to stock up. You go out and you buy more because you think prices are going to be more, you know, not too long from now. So you start to buy more. What does that also do? That causes wages to go up because they're hiring for services, which also increases inflation even higher. So that's the problem. If, if you're expecting inflation, it's only going to make it worse, unfortunately, because the consumer doesn't pull back right away. They don't say, oh, let me hoard cash, let me hoard cash. What they do is their natural tendency is to go out and spend. Mm. And that, that's, the, that's the terrible part. It's a sad thing when you think about it. And, and there, there's like immediate repercussions that reverberate through the stock market. Point in case, this article from CNBC, Home Depot, mm. just forecast weak consumer demand. Here's what that could mean for the rest of the economy. Yeah, this was actually a big deal. And I... And I I tried to take a little bit of a deeper dive into it to figure out why this was such a big deal because apparently this is the first time their sales would have, would have declined since 2009. Mm -hmm. Okay. Their Home Depot is viewed as the stock market's most important retailer. So uh, the company has cut its fiscal year end earnings per share and they expect sales to drop two to 5%. So, number one, I'm impressed you read the article. Usually, whenever I post articles like this, you're like, man, I'm going to get better ones than him. And if uh, you go into it and you kind of big league me a little bit, this one, this one, you were a little sexy. Nice. Really? Little, yeah. Little nice move there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. So let me tell you how this article came across my newsfeed. Okay. I'm sitting in the office and I see the headline. Mm -hmm. Every real estate related business. Oh, yeah. Or had impacts or exposure to real estate, the builders. Some banks in certain cases just fucking went off a cliff after, after, after this came out. Yeah. And I thought, wow, is Home Depot that strong? And I'm like, no, it's not, it's not that. It, it's, it's what this signifies right. as a, from the consumer's perspective as a pullback. It illustrates a lot, right? Yeah. It, it's very illustrative. Right. It, it's very clear that, that if they're seeing a pullback, that means consumer discretionary spending is planned to pull back. Mm -hmm. it, it harkens back to what we talked about previously in the show, where there's a, a palpable shift from people going from the, I want to renovate my kitchen. Mm -hmm. I want to renovate my bathroom. I want to add on extra square footage to my home to, no, 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 no. I need to fix my roof because it's leaking. I need to fix the slab on this home. And those needs are keeping contractors busy, not the wants anymore. Right. Exactly. So if people are starting to, how we can break this down is if, if people are more le or less reluctant to list their properties because they, you know, they want to hold on to their 3% mortgage rates and they don't want to go find another property, right? Then they're not going to make the necessary improvements to sell their property, right? So that's where some of the, the weakening uh, Home Depot is seeing, right? But there's a flip side to this that I, th I found really interesting. It says, on the other hand, there's a chronic shortage of new housing stock which means homes continue to age. Notably, 62% of homes were 32 years or older in 2021. That's up from 55% a decade earlier. Yep. So if you, if you think like, okay, well, homes are getting older too. There are people, you're gonna, there are things around the house that you're going to have to fix, but you're saying it, it's so much so that we're going to project, people are just going to live with it. Spoken like a man who has replaced all of his piping with Pex piping in the not too distant past. Dude, that was the first thing I did when we bought our place. I was like, yeah. I'm not fucking around with any leaks. Let's fucking repipe this bitch. <laughs> yeah. And I know how much you love pipe. I mean, the way I re. <laughs> it was a gimme. I had to take it. 
That you did that, you did it yourself. Bill, you walked right into that. I was thinking. I, was I thinking, even. I gave I was, you the lead. I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking of how I'm gonna lay a pipe on you, but you laid the pipe on me. Okay. Got there first. <laughs> you got, got there, there first. first. <laughs> oh man. So um, I know. So very telling on what Home Depot sees because you got you got to know like this is just another company like like Amazon like any like Fortune 500 company they analyze the data right and their data is telling them that they're seeing some weakening some softening in the markets speaking of which wall street journal article titled americans curb spending on believe it or not home improvements yep as home depot warns its annual sales fall for the first time since 2009 as said mentioned earlier mm-hmm. so again it, it's that pivot in the consumer spending that is becoming more and more visible it's now starting to impact what we've always said on the show mm-hmm. That the stock market is nothing more than a discounted cash flow and what we expect the earnings of companies to be. Right. And as Home Depot says, our earnings are going to be less because consumers are spending less on things like home improvement. Right. Their valuation will ultimately go down. Right. And that's a big deal for a company to come out because previously when they submitted their projections for the rest of the fiscal year, they had projected that sales were going to remain stagnant. But for them to come out and say, okay, we were wrong. Y'all can project that it's going to go down 2 to 5%. I mean, that that's going to make headlines everywhere. Room pulled this chart up. This is actually a really interesting chart. Good find on your part, brother. Mm, Leading Harvard. indicator of remodeling activity, first quarter of 2023. And it shows a significant drop-off in, in activity. This is based on projections. But yeah, I mean, it's just... You know who this doesn't apply to? Uh, Odin. Is he gonna, he's not doing his construction, is he? No, he's doing his backyard right now. What's you, you wrong tell with you? I oh, told you not to do these things. Odun, wait, you didn't tell him? No, he did not tell me. I thought I did. No, you thought you thought wrong. <laughs> what, do, what do you mean? Yeah, he's redoing his whole backyard. Why? It's like 100 square feet. What's wrong with you? My wife wanted it. <laughs> she hates wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I didn't know I was throwing Odun under the bus here. <laughs> what are you doing to your backyard? You had grass? You had like a nice little like... No, they're getting, they're getting we're, it. We're doing cement. We we cemented the whole backyard. No Low maintenance. Pool. Yeah. Just cement the whole backyard, make it flat, have a fun area for Miriam and baby Zara. You mean to... a dangerous concrete area that can fall and hurt themselves as opposed to that beautiful grass you had back there before? Mm-hmm. Realize the park is eight feet away from our house, so they can go play on the park there. Oh, he's got an answer for you. Ooh, how are you going to retaliate? No, I just feel like they had a conversation like, yo, when Chris calls you out, <laughs> what are you going to say? And that was his response, to which I would say, let me see. Having the grass in your backyard costs you effectively nothing besides water. And having concrete there is going to cost you how much? Uh-oh. You, you sure you want to share that information, Chief? Maybe we talk about this after the show. No, no, we talk about this on the show. <laughs> no. How much is it going to cost you? So wait, cementing the whole backyard, the area for the RV. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, dude, not, to, not to cut you off. Let's, uh, let's have Chris guess what he thinks it's going to be. Okay. If so, it's more than $40,000, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my headphones off. I'm coming out to the booth. I'm going to slap you on the show. And I want you to have your mic on when I slap you because it's going to sound visible. <laughs> no. Why? It's right there. It's Barely. right there. It's right there. It's 42. Mm. But he's, well, hold on. We Wait. demoed the whole that's also, backyard. That's also not being. The, uh, the planters, adding a fire pit, adding a barbecue grill. So How many months pregnant gates? is your wife right now? So, so this is what's going on. Uh, so now we know where all the construction got, jobs are going. Yeah, you're the you're the problem. <laughs> you're propping up the, your inflation, man. Honestly, we got to change his name to inflation, man. That sounds like a fat joke. I'm not. I'm not taking the bait. <laughs> I'm. I'm not. I'm not taking. That's, the that bait. was not intended. I'm all man. God, not, I swear to God. Sometimes, sometimes you know, chosen one. It just happens. I, that was that. not intended. I'm not, I'm not taking that bait, brother. Yeah. You know what's been happening to me a lot recently? Is I'll walk by people. People give you a double take. No, because they, of your inflation. No, I know I'm inflated. They call you fat. Yeah, I'm bloated. It's not fat, bro. It's water weight. It's water weight. Yeah, it's because <laughs> yeah, of all the salt oh, and the creatine. Yeah, pink Himalayan. Pink Himalayan salt. Yeah, I'm just trying to keep my electrolytes up. You know, no, got to stay yeah, hydrated. Baby. Stay hydrations. <laughs> so people passing me, they're like, "Hey, man, hey. <laughs> um, I, I like your podcast." Oh yeah. And obviously, people who know me who you know then find out about the yeah. podcast. And I never really know what to do with my hands afterwards. <laughs> oh, yeah, do I shake your hand? Yeah, I do what I, like, I do? <laughs> and I, my, my first initial reaction is like, I'm so sorry for Saeed. 
<laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, he just can't it's, keep these phallic references out of the show. It's so funny you say Every that. Every time he brings it up, I'm like, please don't mention pipe again. Please. <laughs> please. And you do it. And then I have to be like, I have, to, I have a whole litany of people I have to apologize to. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that, though, in all, in all sincerity. No, look at you. Villain. You. Villain. You, I just talked about you piping your house. No. And you came back on piping re, a whole different thing. piping my house. No. Uh, How many times usually, did you pipe it? Usually, usually when when uh, people tell me, like, hey, man, big fan of the podcast. Uh, you and Chris have great chemistry. I, for whatever reason, my f- natural reaction is like, I'm so sorry. That's mine, too. <laughs> Somebody approached me today. I, I was out to the bathroom, too. So, I mean, technically speaking... Like, it, it's like a rushed conversation because obviously yeah. I'm going that way because I have irritable bowel syndrome or something. Yeah. But, you know, I say, hey, you know, and I listen to your podcast and, you know, myself and my boyfriend find it really, like, really funny. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I'm sorry. No. I I'm so have, sorry. I would have said you and your, wait, y'all, I hope you guys are watching on separate devices. Yeah, you guys yeah. each left a review, right? Yeah, right. Like, there was yeah, five stars for him. Sharing it that's 10 stars, yeah, right? Yeah. I need 10 out of y'all. I don't mean to make this trivial. <laughs> but if it's less than 10 why'd you stop me yeah why are we talking why are we having this conversation yeah, don't do this to you yeah i will slap you one <laughs> one of the things i'm most proud of is that is that listener that left us a four star and we came in and we spoke about it we laughed about it and then that's matthew right matthew yeah matthew yeah. hayes shout yeah. out and he changed it to five stars i thought that was pretty cool yeah if he didn't i was gonna find him <laughs> yeah go. i was like bro we follow each other on linkedin i know exactly where you work <laughs> i know exactly where you live yeah i'm gonna find you yeah 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 yeah. So you know, we've been getting a lot of reviews, no comments lately, which I'm not. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not opposing look, to it. I'm look, just if, if, if that's your if that's your vibe, you just want to leave a five star. I'm okay with that. Listen, we don't give you commercials. I mean, you know, you could at least give me like, yo, like Chris' voice is sexy. Saeed's hairy. I mean, it's amazing. You're not the sultry one, bro. I I am not the sultry one. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, don't do this. We're just trying to figure out why the last show's comments are in the bottom there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so old. we already we already briefly addressed this. We'll go. Uh, that's what. Uh, who's uh, go down a little bit. Of, Odin, Charles, is it Charles Chamberlain mm-hmm. uh, Jr.? So we briefly touched on this question. We'll make sure we do more nuanced stuff in the real estate space moving forward. What was, what was the question? Remember, he, this, this was the gentleman that asked you to touch on some nuances in the real estate. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You want to cover that now? You want to no, just... we did. Well, we already did in the beginning. Real estate license thing? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I get that question a lot, man. And then it's we'll go we'll, from that one. Maybe we'll, as we continue to grow... Once we, once we, you know. Why did you stop and like pause when you said that to me? That was weird. <laughs> As we continue to grow. That was incredibly awkward. You just keep smiling. Don't smile at me like that. <laughs> this is in ter- like high terrible. definition right now, You're bro. a terrible human you being, bro. You're a terrible human being. You, you give me some side eyes. Very uncomfortable so for me. Tell me, man. Tell me. I was Carter's uh, basketball practice today. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know a sensitive topic. What? Why? This is no. the second practice in a row, man, where we, we get there. And at least this time, like he was shooting around the basketball. First of all. This is not me saying like, son, you're going to play basketball. Yeah. I don't care. None of that. Okay. Yeah. This is like, I have a four-year-old son who likes doing things. So I keep taking him things that I, that, that I think he's going to like because he does it at home. Yeah, rightfully so. So he loves wrestling with me. So I took him to jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Nope. Not a fan. Yeah. Didn't like it. But he'll come home and like wrestle me all day long in the house. All right, fine, whatever. Right. Swimming, he liked, and we we only did that because we just don't want him to get in the pool and like drown one day, you know. Of like course, that was yeah, more like no, that's important. But he likes swimming, and it's one on one. She's like, all right, cool, whatever. So last week, took him to a basketball practice, and his best friends there, and him and his best friend have to go their separate ways, and they're gonna go to different schools in July. That sucks. And right? it's, it's super it's gonna, sad. It's gonna happen to Arya too. Yeah, it's super sad, and it, it's like this. It's a rite of passage for kids, and uh, you know, it's devastating the time, and I'm sure we don't remember it because it happened to us too. But whatever. Right. So. The first practice, he just wants to sit on my lap and just watch. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm not going to pressure him. Yeah, 100%. So this practice, I get out there with him, and we're throwing around the basketball, and he's having a good time. All the kids are out there. And by practice, you mean like a clinic, right? Not a, He's not on a team. No, it's just a bunch of kids having a good time. Right. I mean, they're four, bro. So right. it's not like it's, you know. Yeah. He's out there shooting on the same like one he does at the house, where he has a great time shooting with me on. We do it all the time at the house. His request, not me. I don't watch basketball anymore. I don't watch any sports. This is just him wanting to do stuff that he likes. Yeah. So I've taken him there thinking like he's going to play. Second time, I take off work a little early, get there at 450. I'm there with my wife. We're there with, you know, his best friend's family. We're like all excited. Yeah. Sits my lap the whole time. Doesn't want to get up. Man, you're so much better of a dad than I am. When Adam was young, on in his bedroom door, okay, right above the doorknob, I put this little tiny Kobe sticker right there. So every time he comes in and out of the room, he's got to acknowledge that sticker. Bro, you're gonna 
You're going to grow up to be a Laker fan whether you like it or not. Stop. Are you that guy? I did that guy. Is that? I'm that guy. In my best friend's, my, my son's best friend, yeah. his family are deep into Lakers. They yeah. love the But Lakers I never support. talked about it. But I'm, oh, so I'm you're waiting psychological yeah, warfare. Yeah, yeah. I'm dropping uh, it in. Yeah. Inse- this is Inception. Yeah, just like, this is going to happen. I don't want, and I know, I know this is probably different than most. I don't want to pressure him into anything. Like, I want him to find his passions. This is fucked up. I'm going to say it. I'm going to be on the show and saying it. Like, everybody out there who's going to judge me, judge me fine. I'll take it. I, tr- I feel like the best indication of wealth that I can give my son mm-hmm. is the ability to chase his passions with no regard to whether he's going to be financially okay or not because mm-hmm. he knows he's going to be okay. Right. That's my gift. That, I mean, that's an amazing gift. And if the fact that you can do that is awesome. I hope I can. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, right? Like, you never know where life takes you See, and the I, things that go. I have a different, like, thought on this, too. I'm like, okay, if I see how you and Joanne are, amazing. You shower Carter with so much love. You know, Hawa and I. Slam and Hot Wife helps. Hawa and I are, are the exact same way. And I feel like there's going to come a point where, especially for whatever reason, I feel like the boys, they're going to seek out, like, dad's validation. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, you look, know. we all we all did that on some level, whether we acknowledged it or not, right? Or we had like resentment about not doing it. I look at it that's just that's just a a, a rite of passage for kids on some level, right? Yeah, and I I try to get that messaging across like loud and clear. Hey, you don't have to do this for me. Just do whatever you like. Mm. The way I look at it is, I'm sure I'm at this point, I'm hyper focused on figuring out what makes my son happy, and I want to share in those experiences. Yeah, I hope that he never has to seek my validation because I'm engaged enough in his life to where he gets validation knowing that I want to be a part of what makes him happy. Right. I you know we're the same way. Hyper focused. You and me, we're the same way. Hyper focused on finding something that they're both passionate about. But at this at this age, they're still so young. I it would be nice for them to find something that they're super passionate about, and I'm ready to fuel that fire. Yeah, but you can't you can't bank on that though. I mean. He, he, that's the no. fucked up part about life is is the people who find something that they're so committed to can mm-hmm. also be a complete crutch for their life. Mm-hmm. I grew up had a that's had a, a good point. I had that's a really a good, good friend, point. right? And God, I want to tell a story, but I don't want to like bastardize him. My daddy's ever going to listen to the show, so I'm just going to do it. He so badly wanted to be a director mm-hmm. for motion pictures for films, mm-hmm. and he had some amazing accomplishments as a director for MTV for True Life. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he ever got what he felt he deserved as a creative. And honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll be real. Man's fucking talented. Yeah. I'm never going to take that away from him. Yeah. And as, and as a kid, I grew up almost envious of the conviction that he had towards wanting to be that. He knew early, early, early on, I want to be a director. Mm-hmm. And I never had that. Like, I, I fell into what I'm into and I love it. You know, I've, I've found passion for the things that I do. Right. But I, I didn't have that early conviction where I want to do this. I had to, like, develop right. over time. Right. He knew from damn near Jump Street that's what he wanted to do. Really? And he spent his life. He dedicated to right. it. I mean, he's very lucky to find that. But at the same time, that's a hard profession. And also, it, it becomes part of his identity. Yeah. And the problem is, if you don't reach the point of that profession that you think resonates with your identity, mm-hmm. you wind up with an identity crisis of sorts. Yeah. And I think that can become very difficult. And I, I look at players who are on the cusp of being NBA quality or not in basketball. Oof. As I was Gilbert Arenas who once said, actually to me, that this game can, can either make you or completely destroy you. It's true. And I, I was on the cusp at the time of it almost completely destroying me. And I mean, unbeknownst to anybody who I was having conversations with, I could have gone on that path where I chased that for a long time. Yeah. And I chose not to because I chose business and money that I thought would be more money in the long run. And I'm I'm lucky that I've had that like vision into mm-hmm. my I knew athletically I wasn't as gifted as, as I would like to perceive that I was. Yeah. Certain individuals reminded you of that. Yeah. AC Green. That guy. What a bad guy that guy is, huh? Bad guy, bro. He, that's one of the people who, who come off as like, yeah, not a villain, villain, ultimate villain. I see that dude at least twice a week. Green beanie. We go to the same Can't gym. Can't fool me. Can't fool me with that green beanie. Yeah, come beanie on, beanie baby. I mean, beanie baby. Right, bro. I got cut me from the Long Beach Summer Pro League. Yeah, 
try to give it to him. Some inner city youth. His words. His words. I had le- leading scorer, assists on yeah. his team that he was coaching. Yeah. Supposed to go on and play for the Clippers that summer. Right? He picked some inner city youth. The inner city youth he picked were two pro players from France. <laughs> Not hurting for money, bro. Seven figure markets. So they're also better than you too, though. Uh, Come on. No, he 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 did a, he did a very terrible job. What he meant to say to me, and I'll say it because he is un- un- incapable of saying it. And I see him all the time. He doesn't remember this. It pisses me off to no end. Mm-hmm. What he meant to say is those guys were athletically gifted, and I can teach them to be smarter. You're a smart player, but I can't teach you to be more athletically gifted. Right. It's true. That's what he meant to say. Yeah. You had no bounce. No bounce. I got. <laughs> I had a little bit of bounce. Well, I, I think what it came down to is I was just fat and slow. Yeah. You didn't have the bunnies. Didn't have the bunnies. <laughs> There was there was no uh, gummy berry juice for me yeah. back then. We'll wrap we'll wrap up this show with one quick story that I had. Um, I took the kids to jujitsu the other day, and Arya did the cutest thing imaginable. So I'm watching them, and it's it. I'm at a, a stage now watching them where I, now they're in separate classes because Adam turned seven, so now he's in the seven to thirteen year old class, mm. and Arya's still in the four to six class. So before it was really challenging to watch them spar because the whole class spars together at the same time. And I'm watching Adam over on that side, and then Arya's over here, and I'm like, who, should I, who am I paying attention to? And they're constantly looking at you for, like, affirmation, you know? So I don't want one of them to think that, like, I don't care about them. I care about the other one more. So now Arya's in the class of her own. So she's sparring with this girl, okay? And it's, they're going back and forth, and it's, they're doing great, right? But she is on bottom, and the girl has her, is mounting her. And she does what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, like, grab the wrist, Put it over your head, hold it to your chest, and bridge over. So she grabs the wrist, she holds it to her chest, and she gets ready to bridge over. But before she bridges, she already knows I'm gonna I'm gonna get the reverse. Before she does, she looks back at me and she gives me the little this sign that I love you. And then she does it. I was like, like, that means I love you? Yeah, this is like universal I love you. So that's like mine and I thought that meant like rock on. No, me and Arya do this to each other all the time. Like she's like in the in the distance. I'll just I'll do this, and she knows it means I love you, and she she does it back. The to me. bullhorns means I love you to you guys. Yes, no, this is bullhorns. This means I love you. That's like rock star shit, bro. This like, is like know. sign language, bro. Is that really a sign language? Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, uh, Odin, maybe look that up. But um, yeah, so she, and so she does that to me from a distance, and then sure enough, reverses it, mounts her. Oh, okay, all yeah. right, there, there you go. It's a, it's a real sign language thing. Yeah. It was it was honestly the cutest thing. I was like, dude, that literally made my whole week. I thought I made your whole week. No, no, non-villain, villain. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. We'll, we'll end it on that. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.